The implications of regulation and reimbursement for engineered tissue and organs will be a huge part of the future of health policy. Professor Lucy Hodder joins me to discuss. This is the UNH Law Podcast. Learn more about the law school and apply by visiting law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire. So last week you spoke at Biofab USA's Fall Summit. What is Biofab USA and how are they looking to change the future of healthcare? Well, Biofab USA is um, a new development in New Hampshire, but it's part of the national effort to bring focus throughout the country to special areas um, involving manufacture and design. And it's... um, been sponsored by the Department of Defense. So in New Hampshire, Biofab USA is a Dean Kamen enterprise that has brought together members from across the country who are issue interested in focusing on tissue-generated products. So it's regenerative manufacturing um, and tissue reimbursement, uh, tissue generation specifically. So really creating organs. So that's what he's trying to do in Manchester is bring together all the minds, all the centers, all the thought leaders, all the scientists, um, and all uh, the strategists to figure out how can we change lives and make tissue-generated products available. And Dean Kamen's well-known for various other enterprises, too. What else has he been involved with in the past? Absolutely. So he has a history of life sciences um, entrepreneurship, and he has created um, a revolutionary at-home um, kidney dialysis machine and a number of other products through DECA, um, including the Segway. One of the reasons I we think that they picked Manchester and... Um, Dean Kamen and and now Army Biofab USA to be the focal point for the um, tissue generated products is because of the way he transforms lives and through learning and through team based learning uh, through his um, you know first. Uh, Lego League and First Robotics League. So this opens a huge can of worms when it comes to health regulation, which is where someone like you would definitely be involved in. Uh, What's the landscape right now when it comes to health innovation and the very unique situation with this company? Health innovation is really um, one of the most dynamic uh, ways that the nor- Northeast and, and even the West Coast is really helping to transform healthcare and our delivery of healthcare and healthcare science. Um, and UNH Law is somewhat of a unique place in this field, both because we have healthcare and the healthcare uh, health law certificate program, and because we are one of the top five IP schools in the country. And so we've combined those two um, disciplines to uh, partner with Army Biofab USA in order to help train attorneys um, and train others, uh, other professionals, to really understand the key issues and the key legal issues uh, that impact um, entrepreneur life sciences tissue generation company from idea through the development and the funding of that idea all the way to the translation of that idea to the bedside. And so we've actually developed a course with them called Bioinnovation Research Collaboration in the Law that really looks at what are the legal issues and therefore what are the regulatory pathways to helping translate uh, the incredible science and ideas going going on in the um, tissue generation space. 
Now, what kind of are there ro- big roadblocks when it comes into going down this route of? I mean, tissue generation is not something that's widespread by any stretch of the imagination. Twenty eighteen. Um, are there some big hurdles that Biofab has to deal with? Absolutely. So, and tissue engineering is just one of the disciplines in regenerative medicine, which is a broader category for cell therapy, et cetera, and includes tissue engineering. Um, And there is uh, simultaneous with these grants to support and bring the industry together to try and figure out how to get the ideas translated quicker. Um, There's been corresponding legislation from the federal level to um, help improve the regulatory process for regenerative medicine and advanced therapies. And so one of the things we've been talking about is uh, where the law school fits into that picture and how we can help educate um, and share learning with uh, the entities that are part of Army Biofab USA to help make that happen. So one of the fun things that um, uh, we were able to talk about this week to Army Biofab USA members was just what's going on in the healthcare space, what's going on in our health reimbursement space. You know, how can um, entities and entrepreneurs and scientists who are trying to bring these transforming life um, uh, cures and products to people? How can they um, shape what they're doing to fit within the value-based healthcare system that our federal government and our um, private payers are looking to achieve? So you got to you got to be able to pay for all this innovation somewhere. You bet, and that's that's a conundrum. And I will tell you that scientists don't really want to be thinking about that, and maybe shouldn't be thinking about that when they're trying to uh, come up with um, some ingenious way to vascularize tissue. Um, but it's really what we advised them um, this week was: you need to be thinking about it not in terms of payment, um, because sometimes people think of payment and reimbursement as sort of the last step in the process. But you need to think about it in terms of what is your pathway towards sustainability. If you're going to spend um, the thought and the dollars and the time in creating these transformative cures. Um, how are you going to make sure they are sustainable in our system and can actually reach people? Um, so it's really a question of sustainability. Um, and we um, offered the advice for them that it's important to think about it early and often um, and re- and really include it in your strategy. And part of figuring out what your sustainability pathway is, is really figuring out what and who you are uh, to to uh, the people you're delivering it to. So, you know, again, one of the things we do really well at the law school is is think about and UNH broadly is to think about how do we how do we think about these things and solve these problems with all the players at the table. So, what's the multidisciplinary way that you confront the challenge of sustainability for tissue engineered products? Yeah, because it's going to cover many different angles. It's not just going to be on the science side, it's got to be able to get into the economy also. I mean, there's uh, production of various, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be specialized tools needed to involve with uh, creation of this regeneration or the straight tissue that's being created. You bet. And UNH ac- across its disciplines and its sciences is all, you know, trying to, to answer some of the tough questions um, and help support uh, the process, including developing a workforce uh, that can meet this challenge. Um, but one of the things we talked about is, you know, as you're bringing uh, these transformative 
um, developments and, and innovations to our system. What does our system look like and how can it manage and support it uh, when it gets there? And one of the things we talked about is just how how much the United States spends per capita on healthcare above other developed countries. I mean, we're way out ahead um, at spending, you know, over 10,000 a person. Um, you know, Switzerland is next at 8,000 a person. And, and um, you know, the average of the developed countries is 4,000. So we're way out ahead of uh, in our expenditures. And the other issue we have happening with our healthcare system is that, you know, our healthcare expenditures are rising incrementally faster than our GDP. So what that means is that over time, um, our healthcare expenditures become a larger and larger portion of our GDP. Um, and to the point at which in, in 2026, uh, it's going to be up around 20%. Um, and that's both good and bad. What that means is we have a thriving healthcare industry and system, but at some point in a capitalist society, you get that much of your system on one, you know, part of the sector being spent on one part of the sector. It's just going to gobble up everything it's else. It's going to hurt expansion in any other industry ultimately. It is. And so it's going to start to be, you know, we're going to start to be the United States of healthcare as opposed to the United States of America. And so it, it really is something to watch. Um, you know, another thing we talked about with this group um, of, of um, uh, innovators was just who is making the decisions around those expenditures. So what are those, the people who are actually making the expenditures on healthcare thinking? How might they be involved in the conversation around sustainability? And, you know, I think we, we all know that the federal government does really call the shots, Um around both innovation and looking at payment reform and, and, and asking the tough questions. And that's for two reasons. Uh, one is that over by source of funds for our national health care spend, the federal government shoulders most of the burden. So they're, they're, they, they spend 28.3% uh, of our overall spend is by the federal government. This, is that due to Medicare and Medicaid That's due primarily? to Medicare and Medicaid um, because obviously the federal government is exclusively responsible for Medicare other than our own out-of-pocket expenditures. And then they're a partner in the Medicaid program. And then they also... Um, uh, actually, uh, they support our commercial system quite uh, w w with significant spend through their um, um, sort of what they lose in tax dollars um, for health care benefits. So but but at the same time, you know, while we really look to the federal government to be a leader in payment transformation, which we had a long conversation about with these um, innovators, which is how do you make sure what you're bringing to the market is looking at what is the best cost, the best quality, the best outcomes so that we can be as sustainable as possible for the patients we're serving. The number two spender are households. So we as America, the American people have, have a real vested interest in making sure our innovators are thinking about sustainability um, along the way because we shoulder a lot of uh, the burden, along with private businesses who are at 20% of the spend. Um, so it's a really important conversation for, for all of us to be part of. We talked a lot about um, just how uh, medical devices or new innovative products like these might be um, reimbursed in our healthcare system. You know, how does Medicare reimburse? Um, how might a commercial 
payer, whether that be an employer or a self-funded, a fully funded health plan, what kind of criteria do they look at when they're making a decision about what to spend their dollars on? And um, interestingly, when you're looking at how to get a product approved by the Food and Drug Administration, they use a different standard than the payers. So you really do have to think, how are we going to demonstrate that we're safe and effective for the Food and Drug Administration, for the FDA, while we show that we're also reasonable and necessary for uh, the federal Medicare agency, which is uh, CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. And then so, when you get into the private industry, they also want to be making sure they're having enough coming in to cover everyone else that's not necessarily getting this treatment. Exactly. And I think um, we're, we're used to how drugs are reimbursed. Usually if they're, they get FDA approval, they can get on a formulary. It's not as easy as that, but um, it's not nearly as complicated as the, the type of products that tissue engineered um, products are. Um, it's a little bit more complicated. You're going to have to figure out how to work with the physicians and the hospitals and the plans to um, sort of demonstrate the value of this product as part of the, the patient's health care needs. So have any payers really stood out with regards to working with Biofab or are they pretty much just watching and seeing what's going to happen? So I think this was the beginning of the conversation. And I think there that we will definitely help Army Biofab bring together some payers and, and providers around this conversation more intentionally in the future um, as they come forward with um, strategies. And, and, and we talked a lot about how um, you know, the health plans need to be figuring out whether they cover the products that are emerging, how they're going to actually look at them for coding purposes, and how they're going to pay for them. Um, and so all of those three things are really important uh, things to consider when you're bringing a product into the commercial space for the healthcare payment. Um, I think the real takeaway from the conversation with this amazing group of, of uh, scientists is that um, they are looking forward to thinking about their strategic initiatives in this way. Uh, they, they have a lot of um, uh, barriers that they are trying to come together uh, to, to, to solve, a lot of problems they're trying to solve just in the basic science of tissue generation um, and tissue engineering. And um, I think there is a really uh, concerted effort to try and help the strategy around FDA approval. So Army Biofab actually has a consulting arm uh, with some incredible experts in the FDA regulatory space, Richard McFarlane um, uh, and others who, who are trying to help with the FDA approval and figuring out new standards for this type of product. I think we'll see a corresponding effort to try and think about um, how to manage um, value-based uh, analysis and ultimately support um, as these products uh, come onto the market at some point in the future. They have a long way to go. Yeah, um, what's their timeline at this point? Well, some products, um, s there's skin products and there are some products for the cornea, for the eye that are, are actually much further along in development than others. And they still are trying to figure out 
as we say, who they are, um, because uh, tissue engineer products can take many different forms. So they are trying to figure out some of the basics um, and figuring out what the, what the tissue needs to look like um, and how the science can be made more uniform from lab to lab um, and, and uh, break pathways in science that is way beyond uh, what I'm qualified to talk about. Um, but as that happens um, with, with the space they've brought together in Army Biofab USA, uh, the hope is that the conversations around the complicated issues of regulatory approval um, and uh, uh, sustainability, and then the ethics of this type of product at all in the future is another area that the law school is um, partnering with Army Bi Biofab USA in the future to help support members and support that thought process. So, um, you know, we have a long history of being innovative here at the law school. And this is one of the many ways we're trying to support our uh, New Hampshire um, community of scientists and also um, innovation uh, globally. Lucy is the director of the Health Law and Policy Program at UNH School of Law. Learn more about the program by following the link in the description. Also in the description is a PDF of her PowerPoint presentation that she gave at the Biofab USA Fall Summit last week. Thank you for listening to the show. Get the back episodes at law.unh.edu slash podcast, which also is links to subscribe to the show on all your favorite podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and now Spotify. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire.